am recording from Mojave. Are you? Yeah, of course. It's the one true way. Are you using dark mode? I have auto dark mode. So it's currently 11 in the morning, so it's not dark mode, but it will be automatic tonight. What time does is it? Um, what time does the sunset? Uh, at the moment, it's about six o'clock. It really should be seven, as I was explaining to you before the recording. But that's <laughs> a whole other can of worms. Um, we have a week until it will be an hour later. But yeah. Okay. So when does it start going dark? When you have it on automatic? Change when it changes automatically. So I'm using Flux to do the automatic thing. So Flux has always changed the. You know, like when you could have the black menu bar uh, and black dock. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, all, it's always done that automatically around sunset. Uh, I don't know exactly if it's like right on sunset or if it's a few minutes either side. Um, and then I was pleasantly surprised to learn that no changes seemingly were needed to support uh, Mojave's dark mode. So now it just like around sunset, everything goes dark, which is really nice. That's pretty handy. Yeah, it's not bad. So I updated two Macs before I left the house on Tuesday morning, I think it was. Um Everything everything went pretty well. Uh, did you look at any of the project sneak peek apps? Yes. Do we want to get into that? Oh, maybe we can get that later. Uh, we can do that now. <laughs> I think we should, but... All right, let's do it. All right, the only one I've looked at is Home, and it is garbage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's really bad. Um, I... Th- I think for starters, something like this makes uh, doesn't make sense as an app anyway. It makes sense more as a menu bar utility uh, or as even a one of those widget things in the Today uh, Notification Center widget things. But yeah, yeah this, this app is not great. Can you add it as a widget? You can't. And you also no. can't add it to the menu bar, at least natively. Which Can't is you add it as a widget on the phone, though? Isn't there a home screen widget? Oh, is there? I haven't looked at them. I feel like that would make sense. Like you said, that's the perfect opportunity. There isn't. In, on the phone, though, you can do it from Control Center, which is really nice. Uh, that's how I do yeah. most of my home yeah, controls. Right. Yeah. But yeah, on the Mac, it feels, it feels strange to have to wait for the app to open. So that's sort of just starting at the beginning there, where it's an app, sure, but it doesn't stay open if you you know, press the red X. It will actually close the app. So every time you open it, it's a couple of seconds, and it feels yep. like it should should be something that's running all the time that you can quickly toggle uh, home controls on and off. That's why you should never close your windows or your tablet. <laughs> yeah. Just keep everything open. Yeah, yeah, that's another way to handle it. And then you will start notice problems with the MacBook Pro. <laughs> these uh, these eight gigs of RAM can't keep up. It's uh, shocking. Oh, here we here's an issue. So I'm trying to scroll on the home app to get to the bottom. It's got my favorite accessories, and I actually can't scroll. The bar just bounces back up to the top. That's nice. Um, yes. Yeah, so it's anyway. It's not particularly great in what I found. It doesn't. It doesn't like the window doesn't resize. Um, well, it does resize, but does like nothing resize. really changes. It's no, no. It, it's I don't know. It's it's interesting. What do you and think? When it changes, it's not a very smooth animation. It like plops down yeah so i said to someone this week that it feels like 
somebody did this the night before the the Dub Dub keynote and they haven't touched it since. And I wasn't on the Mojave beta, so I'm not sure if it has improved or regressed or, or what, but it doesn't feel like a lot of thought went into this. Yeah, so for me, I th- I think the biggest problems are the interactions with those um, uh, accessory tiles. I don't really know what's going on there, but um, if you compare that to, to the iPad app or iPhone app, um, a tap is a click. So far, so good. I think that makes sense. Um, but yep. if you have a light bulb, for example, and you want to change the um, the brightness on your iPhone, it would be either a, a f- force. I, I forget what it's called now. Force, force touch. Three D touch. touch. Deep press. Three D press. Yeah, three D touch. <laughs> One of those, um, and you can then change the brightness on the Mac. You would think maybe it's a right click, but it's not. You think maybe it's a long push and hold because it kind of looks like an iOS app, but it's not. Then you move it around. So what it is is a double click, which is, is super strange. It's a right click. That makes isn't no it? sense. You can do a right click and then do uh, show controls. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah, you can also double click it. Oh, okay, nice. I hadn't noticed that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's not really a, it's not really a gesture you would do on the phone. No. But it also shows how intuitive it is that I just told you how to do that. Yeah, but it's you. also <laughs> quite weird because um, if for some reason you fail double click, instead of going into more details, you just turn the lights off in your home, or you turn off the power strip that was connected to things, or uh, you start playing music somewhere. It's just a weird way of. I don't know. I, I find that interaction kind of weird, not very obvious, and definitely not feeling like a... It feels a bit like if I'm in Finder and I want to open a file and I double tap it, it opens the file. It's sort of the same type of UX experience. If you have one of those cells and you double tap it, it opens up a bigger thing. So to, to some extent, it sort but of But you're not really sense. opening. You're not really opening the... Um, the accessory. You just want to see more information about it. Yeah. On a finder, you would probably do a command I. Yeah. Or, and on the Mac to get more information about something, it is a three D touch on the trackpad or a force press, whatever they call it, where you sort of press yeah. in over a photo or a PDF, and it does the quick look thing. Yeah, it kind of makes sense to have do done something similar on. Yeah, that here. Even that would be fine because then you just embrace the interaction of it is an iOS app, and we do the same on an on an. Uh, on a Mac, but yep. Force Touch doesn't do anything on, on. But if you go to something like Photos mm-hmm. and you double tap it, then it opens the picture larger. Mm-hmm. So it sort of imitates that paper. But that's different, right? F- all those interactions, a single click doesn't do anything but a highlight. I think that's the difference. That's true. It's not really like something that leads to. In uh, the same time, it does lead to other tools showing up. So if I double tap a. But it's image, different, right? Because you're committing to the action with a single single click. On oh, the home app. okay, that's what you mean. You yeah. know, I yeah. want to. I, I single click this to to select it or highlight it. That would be all right. But a single click turns the light bulb off, and now it's darker yeah. in our room. Yeah. Have you used any of the other Marzipan apps? I'm a huge Stocks app user, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. no, I haven't. I haven't <laughs> opened the Stocks app. Actually, I'm going to do that now. I mean, I've opened all of them just to have a look. Um, we did have a bit of a look at the stocks and that one had one thing that's weird which definitely comes from um, 
the iOS app is if you have your selection of what do you call it, like stocks or companies that you're interested in uh, and you want to reorder them, you would think you could like tap them and drag them around. Like that's what I mm-hmm. would expect. As you would do in the home app, for example. Yeah, that's what I yep. would expect. Like you said, Kai, that's also how the iOS, uh, how the how the uh, probably sneak peek home app does it. But in this app, you have to tap the small sort of Edit. dare I say hamburger menu in the lower <laughs> right corner, and then it's like an edit mode, and then you can change them around. So it's very iOSy in that way. I I understand how it got this way, and I don't think um, I definitely think they are like. If you look at the rest of the stock app, it looks quite good, and I think they are going towards something that will be better than no stocks app. If if you care about stocks app, uh, but I've, I and I do think like the fact that they are starting to use do something like sneak, Project Sneak Peek or Marzipan or whatever code name we want to use for it. Uh, I think it's it's a good thing because I don't think the HomeKit uh, the HomeKit app would probably not have gotten a Mac a native Mac app in a while. But so why not? Well, why not? That's my <laughs> question. It's not like Apple doesn't have resources for that. No, but other companies don't really have the resources. So, so if you have you're an indie developer and you want to provide an app, uh, a Mac app, it could be good that you could easily port your app instead of writing a whole new Mac app or potentially a whole new Electron app. I I don't know. I I just feel. Sure, you can do that if you want to have a presence, but you want to have a subpar app. Sure, there are many we, ways of yeah, making... At the, at the moment, it's subpar, but I think potentially, like, this is a good step in the right direction. I think the fact, if if any company should make, like, a cross-platform application or cross-platform tool, I think it's good that Apple does it for their own for their own uh, OSs. I think if Apple provides something like this, they can hopefully make it have a nice native feel and I think they can hopefully provide something that will be further developed. I think if they go into something like this, the same way they how they started developing Swift, I think they, they like they really progressed, they went full in on it and I'm hoping they will do that here too and they will continue progressing this uh, this new project. But I don't know. I don't know. It I just feel like the the way this at the moment is just not a quality I would expect. I, no, but in the same time, it's not really meant to be like. Um, but just there's a reason product. why they picked these apps, though, right? They didn't pick their most popular apps because I think they they wanted to more test this test this architecture out or test test out this way of making apps. But Apple tests a lot of things. We usually don't see them until they're ready. I just feel like those apps are so not. So you think it would have been better if they wait were holding off and didn't release something? In general, I'm in favor of releasing things that are good over releasing things early and then potentially getting them good. At at least from a company like Apple, yes. So what do you guys think is the reason for Apple deciding that this is something they definitely want to push out? I think we we have had this in the past, like Siri, for example, that was something that came out in a beta mode or, or as a beta. There was something else we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. I think it was um, not Face ID. FaceTime? Group FaceTime? Uh, FaceTime. No, no, there was something before that uh, in iOS 11 that came out. The oh, the portrait mode on the iPhone 6 yeah. something. Yeah, 6 exactly. Yeah. So I think those were more... They had reasons for releasing these things early. 
and releasing them in betas. And they also specifically said they are betas. Those app, uh, the stock app and all of the like ported apps are not really said to be beta apps, but they have said that they are like early apps using this project sneak peek method. And I'm wondering, why do you guys think they felt the need to push this out so early before, in like before it might be perfect? Yeah, I have to think it was done to address the rumors. So there was a lot of talk, uh, or there has been a lot of talk over the last year or so about uh, bringing either cross-platform development tools uh, or making it easier, just in general, making it easier for iOS apps to come to the Mac, or there has even been talk of, you know, merging iOS and Mac OS as, as platforms. And I think uh, they sort of felt the need to address it. This is just a guess, but yeah, I, I think they felt the need to address it uh, publicly on stage this year at WWDC and say, hey, this is what we are doing. Um, it's also nice to have a bit of heads up if you are an iOS developer considering bringing an app to the Mac, or you are a company who has an, a popular iOS app that you uh, are developing for the Mac, maybe as a web app at the moment, uh, to sort of just know what Apple's roadmap is. And that helps plan decisions over the next year and, you know, make decisions about where you want to invest your time and resources. Uh, I know we've, we've used the example a lot of Slack. Um, you know, I know, and I know Slack have said that a native Mac app really isn't on the cards um, at the moment anyway, but something like this might, uh, you know, sort of give them enough warning that they can plan into their schedule some time to potentially develop a an app with this technology, whatever it happens to be, uh, that is announced at WWDC next year. Uh, that, that's just a guess, but that's where I sort of, sort of how I see this situation. But to me, I don't, I don't know. I don't think we're, we're in a good place if companies hold off on Mac apps and make more apps like this. Because Apple is usually, if there's a new technology, Apple is, tends to be someone who gets a very good product out of it t- as a reference. I don't think any of the three apps, I haven't played with voice memos that much, but the other two, I don't think they are, um, they are good reference apps and if that's the quality that everyone will strive for, I don't think we're much better off than we were with Electron apps. Yeah, I mean, at least now, maybe maybe there will be significant improvements. But from what I see right now, I don't want the Mac platform to, to be full of those types of apps. I don't think it's bad. And I think it's like we've been arguing before that it might be something, uh, this might be the perfect opportunity for someone like Slack to make a more native experience on the Mac. But in the same time, I've, I've been thinking about it and I'm not really sure. I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I don't feel like this is meant for someone like Slack. I think this is more meant for smaller companies or indie developers that haven't really, would want, would like to have a Mac app, but they haven't really, they don't really have the resources for it. Um, and, and but they but they would love to test porting it and otherwise there would not be any app. I think um, companies that decide Companies that have an Electron app already have the capacity of making the Electron app in the first place. And I think there are other reasons why they might decide to stick with an Electron app. So I don't necessarily think that this will encourage Slack to make a native app or make a project sneak peek app, just because I think there are still other PC platforms that they want to support and that they want to have their app available for. And I'm not sure if this is going to be enough of a push for them to have basically two desktop apps, have one which is built on Project Sneak Peek and have another one that's built with Electron. I don't really know if that's something big companies will decide to do. So that's why I feel like it might be more for those companies that just 
have an iOS app, might not necessarily have an Android app, but they think it would be nice to provide a user experience on the on the Mac as well for for more like hardcore users that are more in, more involved in the whole Apple ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to rule out these marzipan apps yet. I think it will really be down to what third-party apps can do, how good the tooling is, and who decides to take advantage of it. If you look at the home app, it's not the most uh, Mac-y app, even if you, if you look at the just the iOS app. It is very much designed for a touch-first interface. You've got those bubbles. You've got things that you know, sort of expand when you when you like hold down on them and you apply pressure. It does feel very much like an iOS app, and it's it's a decent iOS app. It's not a decent Mac app, as we've discussed. <laughs> I, I was just about to say we were talking about the Home app, and already said that the Home app is not probably it, it, not the most. It's not the best iOS app. Yeah, it's probably not the bright star of iOS yeah. uh, app development either. But it, it's a yeah, it's a very touch first app though if you're looking at it but then i think there are apps that would make sense to be ported to mac like the mac in almost an identical form to their ios uh, app and i mean like an iphone size screen i don't mean the ipad versions i i think something like a podcast player um if you're looking at, at something like uh overcast pocketcast or, or castro i think those could make uh sense on the mac in their the form of their ios app with very very few changes needed. Um, you could tap around those apps. You could, you know, hit on this, scroll on on things. And I think that would make sense. If you look at something like Tweetbot, which does have a Mac app, a native Mac app at the moment, it's almost like the iOS app. It's just the the screen frame is is different. You can drag it around. But for all intents and purposes, it's the same thing. It's a list with images and tweets and you can swipe to get to the detail view. You can tap on buttons to favor or retweet something. I think that's a, a fairly good example of something that might make sense to come across. The iOS app and Mac app aren't different enough that it may, might make sense for something like that to to come across. And there are apps that definitely work in that form. Even just looking at the home screen of my phone now, I'm looking at uh, like an app that you know I use for for public transport times. How handy would it be, even if it was uh, just in the iOS form without any modifications, to be able to pull that up on my Mac, you know, when I'm ready to leave work and just check when the next bus is. So I think there are some use cases that make sense, uh, even with uh, very little changes, to bring that app across to the Mac. And so I think I don't want to judge Marzipan or whatever this ends up being called too early uh, based on a few of Apple's examples. I think it really will be down to what third-party developers come up with in a year's time. Yeah, yeah, no, I I do agree. I think something like um, Tweetbot is a perfect example, um, and I think we shouldn't judge it too harsh yet. I think, like I said, it, it's an early early stage. I'm just curious of like why they decided to do this, and like you said, Zach, it might have it might even have been that there were they did not intentionally uh, they did there were leaks. It might have been that there were some leaks about uh, something like marzipan, and they felt like they needed to address it, and that's why they decided to talk more openly about it. Another thing I was thinking of is um, the whole fact that they decided to use something like the HomeKit app um, as an example app. I wonder, like we said, HomeKit is not really a great experience on iOS uh, in the first place. And it could potentially be an app that Apple intend, uh, internally have been planning on remaking. And I'm wondering if the idea was originally that they will... Uh, that they were planning on rewriting the HomeKit app. Uh, they were planning on giving it a sort of new UI and a new uh, user experience. Um, and after that, they were planning on moving it over to some with something like Project Sneak Peek. 
And I wonder if the first deadline wasn't met, but they had to rush over and continue with Project Sneak Peek in order to get that done in time. So we might actually see something like an update to the HomeKit app, which is going to be an update for both iOS and macOS then. Um, but it might just have been reprioritized because they want to get it out as a Project Sneak Peek app. I mean, in general, I think I'm... I'm very protective of the Mac because I really like the Mac. I think iOS is a great platform, but it's very, very different. And I deliberately choose to use a Mac not only because of the base operating system, but to a large extent because of all the apps I'm using on that. And sure, I can see how TweetBot would be something that ports somewhat okay. But even that is very... If you look at... um, for example, voice memos. Like all the interactions that relate to swiping on cells are super awkward because you can have to swipe just enough, but you don't have to set... iOS was very much built on you controlling pixels directly with your finger and you see things under the finger as they change. On the trackpad, you have that additional step of separation that makes it, for example, if you have something like a a swipe gesture on a table view to uh, display the delete button and the more button. It is really hard to get the, the swiping right to a point where you're not accidentally deleting it, but where it only goes to the, the kind of the hidden options to be fully expanded so you can then hit the more button. And those kind of things, they are just different on those platforms. One is very much not made for that. And I, I like Mac apps and I like how to use them. And I don't feel like. The, <laughs> If it, to make that work really well, you still have to do a lot of customization for for the Mac platform because otherwise, all, everything that's about direct manipulation of pixels won't translate well because you will have that separation unless we get go to a point where we will have touchscreen Macs. And I guess that's when it becomes more plausible and more usable to me because then you you get that back and you still have backwards compatible. Uh, backwards compatibility to trackpads, but I also don't really want to swipe my screen. Yeah, why don't you just, just use an iPad? And yeah, that's 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 my point. I, I feel like those those um, platforms are very different, and they should be different. I don't think they should move much closer. I think in some points they already moved too close to each other, and I feel over the last few years Apple has realized that too. But this it makes it hard to to not do that, and I mean as you said. There are other apps like uh, podcast players. They're fine. I mean, I like Pocket Cast's Mac app. That is, I think it's a nice, decent app. Um, but um, I don't want developers to then think, hey, what if, what if we just port TweetBot with this thing? It is, it is not ideal, but the Mac doesn't sell as much. So, well, let's focus our efforts on iOS. And if it kind of works on Mac, that's good enough. It's not ideal, but it's better to have an app on the Mac that wouldn't have otherwise come across with marzipan than to not have it at all. But it's, but it's just to me, it's really hard to then, I mean, if sometimes options lead to, into a state where that is just way less resistance, you go with that. I don't know. Like, I think it's a very difficult thing to, to discuss. I don't really know my opinion on this. I think I definitely I do agree with you, Kai. I think you shouldn't just make something that's good enough just because it's an easy way through it. But I'm also worried. I think using something that Apple provides that's meant to work um, UX-wise and UI-wise on both platforms, it is better than using other 
something like electron. I think potentially, like this, this could still be a better solution for many people that would decide to go with another, uh, like to either not port something or to make it an electron. Yeah. So I'm, I, I, I think I'm just protective of the Mac because I like it as a platform. I like how it behaves. Most of the apps that are not electron, I mean, the only reason we complain about electron is to most part that they feel different, they behave different, they use more resources, whatever people, uh, don't like about or whatever it is that you in particular don't like about it a lot of people that that we know that we talk to do don't they don't like electron apps for specific reasons and i feel adding another thing that that does behave differently from from your other apps i mean maybe maybe there are as i said maybe there are huge improvements and we're getting to a good state and we will have touchscreen macs and i start swiping around my 27 inch imac maybe maybe we get there and maybe it will be great but at the moment from what i've seen so far i don't think this is something i'm i'm looking forward to as much as i thought i did just based on the implementation i've seen so far and <laughs> my my uh desire to push for better and and at least consistent uh push for quality mac apps but what if the alternative would be you get this HomeKit app, which is a port from iOS, or you don't get any HomeKit app? What would you choose? I do think that Apple could potentially make both. They could make a more native uh, HomeKit app, but I think other companies might not be able to, so they have to decide this. I don't know. It's it's hard to speculate, speculate about those hypotheses. I do think Apple would be in a position where they do it. And I think then they should be an example of building good Mac apps because a lot of people look at Apple as a reference. At least historically, people used to look at Apple a lot as the reference for for great iOS apps and great macOS apps. I think that shifted over time. I think now there are more third-party apps that everyone would say this is a good reference of iOS development or macOS development. Um, but I do think if if companies have the resources and the ability to do that you it's it's i can't see how you wouldn't have a better result of writing platform specific applications and yeah. therefore if 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 you think it's an essential part of of what you're building there are some apps that are probably less less important like you probably don't need live tracking uh, public transport apps i mean sure it's nice to look up a timetable but they're probably it wouldn't be um wouldn't make a lot of sense for them to build fully featured uh, macOS apps with live tracking and, and alerts when you have to get off the bus. That is very clearly an iOS app. And if they want to port it really cheaply over just so you can look up your when the next bus goes when you're looking on your Mac, sure. But I think everything that is where where Mac the Mac is part of, of the platforms that are... A, or where the Mac is one of the bigger platforms that you expect your users to be using your app on, then then I think it's important to spend that effort on making it good. Yeah, and I don't think Apple wants that either. I think they want to have this as an alternative, but it still wants people to make native app, Mac apps. But it could be, I guess it's a risky, it's a risky thing to introduce something like this that makes it easy for people to make the Mac apps without even putting too much effort into it 
Yeah, would, and I think it's it's a bit be... like it's it's a good idea, but they might have created something that will work against them. It would have been fun to be in the room because I'm sure Apple thought about those those same things. Um, and I mean, it is the worst case scenario for Apple is probably not the end of the world. Worst case scenario, people put more effort uh, into their iOS apps. I don't think that is something. Yeah, I think we touched on this before. It could also be a potential push to make people focus more on their iPad apps. I think there are not mm. there are some apps that are not ideal on iPads. Uh, they made them mostly for iOS, but they also released them on uh, on the iPad. Um, and I think this could potentially make people improve how much they work how much they work through um, like the, the the different size classes and the changes in the in the views on an iPad and hopefully. The fact that you want to s- have that type of UI for a Mac could potentially enforce you to pre- create a better UI for the iPad. Yeah. But for me, at the moment, if I use one of those three apps, it feels like a beta. And I sometimes have to remind myself that this is actually a released macOS, major macOS update, which I think is, is, is just feels weird to me that I, I think I'm using a beta if I, when I'm not. Yeah, and I do agree with something you said earlier that um, Apple should be leading by example. Uh, I Hopefully, they aren't in that we're going to get better quality marzipan apps next year, but uh, I do agree that they should really be championing this new technology and saying, hey, look how great it is. And maybe if that had meant another year in development for these three apps, then that would have been the right choice. But anyway, it's hard to, it's hard to judge what's happened now. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that this is the biggest feature of marzipan that we're talking about sorry of, um, <laughs> of mojave that we're talking about because there really isn't a lot else i mean maybe it's good maybe it, uh, it shows people <laughs> i the uh, marzipan 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 sneak peek i like that you call it sneak peek that's way easier to pronounce um sneak peek um it might be good it, it kind of shows App, didn't apple say on stage it shouldn't be the main way of making apps yeah that's what and i, I mean mentioned, it, yeah. it feels that way so maybe that is also not completely uh coincidental maybe they, <laughs> so they intentionally make something that's not perfect. it's just not writing a lot of because apple has the resources to have an entire fork in a code where if the platform is mac os make everything super amazing but use kind of ui kit tools to to do it yeah, but maybe, maybe that is deliberate maybe this not is, maybe this is more realistic yeah this might be if if you if you want to do that and you don't want to put like double the effort in because you're now developing for two platforms this is kind of what you get mostly out of the box with minor modifications and if you want to make anything more than this, AppKit is your is your friend. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, have either of you picked a new accent color on your Mac, which is now a thing in Mojave? No. And Marlon hasn't updated. I think she tries to hide that fact. I try to hide that fact. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been a bit slow on updating. Uh, I have... Don't... Disregard anything I said before. I have still played around with the apps on Kai's Mac, so I definitely still got some experience with Mojave. Sorry for dragging you into this. Thank you, thank you, Kai. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, I think honesty is very important. I think we should maybe record the show just you and I next week, Zach. Uh, I think (laughs) Kai is not feeling very well. Um, No, but I I haven't updated yet, and I have my silly reasons for it. Uh, But I have definitely still been having the opportunity to play around with those apps on Kai's uh, MacBook. And I also looked uh, a lot at the dark mode on his Mac. Um, 
I'm not sure if I will use it. I think I will try it out once I update. I'm probably going to update next week. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm definitely going to try out having the dark mode on. Uh, but in general, I feel like I always sort of prefer brighter apps. I never really used Xcode in dark, dark in, in the darker themes. Uh, so we'll see. I'll see what I'm going to end up with. So my my main use case for that is actually um, something I didn't expect uh, during the keynote. Um and that is that we we have a Mac Mini in our house, and it serves as a server for a lot of things in the house. Um, and I often screen share with that from from one of my other Macs or from my one other Mac at the moment, um, and leave that window just hidden somewhere, and then accidentally open terminal on on the Mac Mini and run commands there rather on my Mac because I didn't notice them that I'm actually connecting uh, that I was actually connected to that one. So now I set the Mac server, uh, the Mac Mini server, uh, to to the dark theme, uh, with an accent color, and my my personal one I leave in the light theme, and that makes it super easy to distinguish between the two. <laughs> nice. I think this is exactly what Apple intended you to do with this. <laughs> yeah, for your day and your night, Mac. You know, you gotta have different colors. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I I'm I'm quite happy with the. Uh, the light theme, similar to modern. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of uh, dark themes. I might try it if if um, if I would work a lot when it's dark and no, see if it's easier I'm on the eyes. I'm not sure. But... I'm not sure. Sure, it's easier on the eyes, but maybe you get sleepy. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you want to keep it dark in the evening because then it's just going to make you not sit at your computer, which is probably good for you. But considering that the question came from you, did you happen to change any any accent colors or themes? Interestingly enough, yes. So I've long been a user of the like the grayish theme across macOS, and I know you. I think you've both made comments on it before. Your graphite selection always confused me so much. Every time yeah, I sat on too. your computer, I'm like, why is why is everything disabled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a couple of days into owning the first Mac, I changed that, and I haven't uh, ever changed it back since. But I am playing around with a green accent color at the moment, uh, just because green is a nice color. And it's also an accent that looks good on both the dark and the light theme, and there aren't many of those. Uh, so we'll see if I last. I really don't like some of the color across the system, um, like the, you know, the the close, the minimize, and the expand uh, three buttons at the top. Yep. I don't know <laughs> what the name is for those. Um, I've traffic really enjoyed, light. yeah, the traffic lights. I've really enjoyed just having those be gray and sort of not in my sort of dark and vision. depressing. Yeah, dark and depressing, exactly. You know, like me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, sort of. I li- I've liked not sort of having my attention drawn to those, and I'm really finding that with the particularly the red uh, close button in the top left now, my eyes just seem to be drawn to that way more than it should be when I'm working on something. Uh, so it might just take so some getting just used keep to. Closing all the tabs and close all your windows. And <laughs> yep, they're uh, they're onto me. But yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm enjoying the the accents, <laughs> and we'll see. Yeah, cool. All right. For me, uh, probably the biggest update or biggest improvement is I used to have a lot of um, graphical glitches. Every time I um, woke up my Mac from sleep, I just had a uh, uh, multicolored pixel all, all, all over the screen for, for a second before it recovered. And that's gone. I still have that. You know, I, I, I appreciate those. So that's why I'm waiting with updating. <laughs> I like the, the, the authentic feeling of, a, of an old TV turning on. Yeah. 
Yeah, so for me, that's, that, that is, uh, I, I really enjoy that. It doesn't look like my Mac is broken every time I open it now, so that's nice. Also, I don't know, it might be placebo, but I f have the feeling that um, the watch unlock is way, way faster now. Interesting. I've heard other people say that. Um, I haven't found that, but uh, I don't know. It's like one data point. Yeah, uh, for me, it's just uh, now when I open the Mac, it's usually already unlocked by the time I have the screen positioned correctly. And that uh, wasn't the case before. So I don't know if it is mostly when it comes back from sleep or when it was closed. But yeah, it feels at least it feels way, way faster. And that's nice. So Kai, something tells me you have a new computer on your wrist. <sighs> yeah, finally. Um, I think it took a few extra days for Apple to get uh, buffer stock again, but it was, uh, gotta admit, it was really smooth. They gave me a call in the morning. We're super excited that they got a uh, new stock. Reserved me watch. Um, put it in a cage, apparently, and locked it. Yeah, um, but didn't want anyone to <clears throat> accidentally sell it. Yeah, so um, I, I rushed over to the Apple store and uh, got my watch replaced. Um, which was nice because that old one, the crown didn't move and the side button got stuck and the new one seems to be uh, really, really good. Not, no problems at all. It was a bit weird when I unboxed the box. Uh, we always talk about unboxing in those uh, when we talk about a watch. That's the most important feature. Yeah. You know how there are two boxes inside of the kind of uh, paper wrap? Um, mm-hmm. One for the, for the band and the other one for the watch itself. Yeah. The watch... The one for the watch itself was super, super sticky. It felt like they dipped it in glue and let it dry for about 24 hours. So it was still somewhat sticky and gluey, but um, so much so that I had to wash my hands for about 10 minutes afterwards because it was really going into your fingers. And Did it actually, was it the inside of the box too? Like no, the box? only the outside was. That's weird. So and it was both the top case and the bottom case of that box? Uh, no, only the top. Okay. So I don't know what happened there. Someone must have tipped over the glue container. Um, so I was surprised. I have never unboxed an Apple product that was full of glue before. Um, but didn't I didn't really mind. The watch was great. Um, the one I had in there. You mentioned you had some display issues, Zach. Um, and I checked for those. I didn't, didn't have any of that. My Chrome moves, the side button clicks. Everything nice. is good. On the side button, what do you reckon about them going to a uh, taptic side button next year? I think that's what they call it. Um, I mean, this is this thing is so flush and with the with the casing, and I don't know. It's almost like it doesn't have to be a real button anymore. Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, it's already it it already at least mine doesn't feel as good as the old one just because it is flush. It feels a bit harder to push in. Um, might just be my fingers being big. Uh, so I think a, a haptic one would actually work better for me. Are you using that button much, though? Uh, Apple Pay. So yeah, basically every time I buy anything in my life, I use that button. Twice, <laughs> in fact. Um, do you have that, too? Maybe maybe it's maybe watch isn't in a good state. Maybe no, it's I something weird. I don't really have... I, it just kind of feels like you're squeezing the side of the watch and I don't really have to find myself thinking about whereabouts. It's just sort of the button yeah. happens to be there and things come up. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Is the button bigger on this one than on the previous series? Because it feels like you said, like it feels like you can just tap on the side of the watch. It feels very accessible. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm actually not sure. I don't have my old watch around. I'm gonna look at it. Yeah, overall I'm I'm super happy now with this one. Um Um I also played some more now with the with the feedback on the crown. Mm-hmm. How how do you find it? Um overall I like it. Uh I don't know if it's just the kind of tech excited person in me that's just excited for it to to feel different and kind of make ticking noises that kind of trick me into thinking that there's something uh, mechanically happen uh, happening but uh what feels kind of weird to me is when you do really really small um scrolling movements the the clicking doesn't happen it, there's like a weird mm-hmm. threshold that you would with a real clicking this is what i was talking about last week yeah so if you have a real watch like a mechanical watch that clicks even if you go really really slow you would still get a click but here it seems also that watchOS now it, it has a higher tolerance of what they ignore if you uh, move the crown. So it's, it's really wonder, hard. I wonder if it is that you have to... I wonder if it's like um, it resets the distance or something after a while. So if you move too slow, it's not going to add up the, comp- the total distance to create a click. Hmm. So if you move it quicker, you're still within the time and it's going to uh, click for you. Was otherwise it would be if I start rotating now and I don't rotate a whole click and then I come back in an hour, rotate half a click, then it should click. But that's so, not no, happening. No, no, it's not even that. So it's even if you go if you go to the uh, timer on your watch and you go into any of the fields, let's just say minutes, and you're trying to go from uh, 10 to 11, getting it directly to, uh, to 11 and not jumping back to 12 or 13, it's really hard for me. I don't know. Maybe I get used to it, but I I uh, tested the old watch and the new watch, and I really struggled getting it right with the new one. And I could get it right every single time with the old one. Yeah, but it's like it's not sensitive enough. It's like you start to move it, and it doesn't recognize it until you actually put a bit more of a twist into it. That's right. So that's why I'm thinking the implementation, underlying implementation, might be that they have, um, like, they 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 count the distance that the crown was traveled within a certain amount of time, and then it checks how many clicks it should respond with. Yeah, I don't know. It's also, this crown is, is, isn't there, like, it's re- re-engineered. Is it still actually doing me- mechanical thing, or is it some optical thing that you're spinning? Great question. Don't know. Uh, I'm just saying the solution is to turn off the haptic clicking. Does that mean you can actually do that? Uh reliably if you go to the timer app and you're going from 10 to 11 minutes uh can you do that reliably without over over scrolling over spinning yeah i can go between them without yeah it's fine uh, yeah normal human <laughs> no i don't know it seems fine okay. i don't know all right maybe i maybe i try to turn it off i wonder if that changes anything with the um uh, with the, I don't know. It so feels like actually, a dead. So, so, what's the reason for you turning it off, Zach and Kai? Why do you do you feel like this is a big enough problem so you want to turn it off? It's, it's for me. I mean, I, I I still have it on. Um, it's not that I turn it off. Um, I just noticed that I felt more that I was less accurate w- with it on. 
I, I just think it feels nice. It's it's a nice, nice um tap you're getting. Um but I do feel like it's um like those kind of really small movements are less accurate. I don't know if, if there's a change in accuracy if you're or sensitivity rather when you uh turn off the clicks. I will try that and see. But I, I just noticed that I'm I'm less accurate. It might get better over time. Yeah, and for me, it's just still very much about when scrolling a list. I don't think it needs to uh, be vibrating intermittently as I'm going through that list. Uh, it doesn't feel very natural. And I, uh, some people at work tried on my watch this week and uh, were most interested in the haptic crown, actually. And uh, some of the comments that came back were that it doesn't... It, it, they generally agreed that it doesn't feel natural when scrolling a list. Um, and... A few even said it makes it feel slower, and I would generally agree with that, that it it feels like almost the watch is waiting for the crown to catch up while it's got to do its little vibration thing. And I don't know, it just doesn't... It might be placebo. It might be 100% placebo, but it feels faster to be scrolling lists without this click happening seemingly at random intervals. I know it's not completely random, but you know what I mean? Like as you're... It's different depending on the the velocity with which you're scrolling the crown. Uh, It doesn't feel very natural, um, at, at least to me anyway. Yeah. So for me, it kind of, um, if you would have a, if you would talk about like video games and your controller, you, you usually have a dead, dead zone around the stick. So if you move the stick, not at least, uh, a certain amount, uh, nothing would happen in the game because it just considers that kind of, um, ignorable from like super small, just touching it or, or changing the angle of your controller, those kind of things. And it just feels like that dead zone increase to me. I, I do think. I have a feeling that this might be something that Apple was quite excited about and they wanted to try this haptic feedback. But I think they might have overdone it and put it in all lists. Whereas I think certain places it really makes sense to have it in, like when you actually literally move letters, like when you change account, like the timer, yeah. the, 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 when you're increasing the seconds in the timer or decreasing the seconds in the timer. And I think there it definitely makes sense to have the uh, haptic feedback. But I think something like scrolling through your messages is probably not necessary. And it's might be something that they are moving back a bit on later on so what watch face do you use now i moved off the siri face and i'm now back to utility even though it has and i complained about it last week the horribly inaccurate really? dexcom uh arrows it's which is really confusing me because sometimes i'm thinking it's up when it's not quite up and flat when it's not flat and just anyway but i like the Okay, so, so the larger screen, uh, pardon the pun, has really grown on me over the last week. I'm not uh, super <laughs> annoyed anymore. I actually really like this watch. It's fantastic. And last week, I mean, listening back to that episode, I was like, why was I so critical of the size? This is amazing. Anyway, uh, I really like the larger the watch and I really like analog watch faces. <laughs> and so this utility face is actually quite nice and I'm enjoying having a larger watch face. Um, yeah. What about you? I I would really like to like analog watch faces, but I don't know. My brain just doesn't work that way anymore. It's been uh, decommissioned. No, <laughs> uh, reconditioned is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> reconditioned to only see time digitally. So I tried the um, uh, infograph. Um, what is it called? Infograph. Infograph. Analog? Modular. Modular. No. It's just it's just called infograph. Yeah, I tried to infograph. That's the analog one, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I tried it and I want to like it, but I couldn't because I couldn't 
couldn't tell the time anymore. Mm-hmm. So I actually switched the date out for a digital time, and then I thought that's <laughs> ridiculous. And now I'm now I switched to uh, Infograph Modular, which is at the moment my preferred uh, watch face. But I do still um, try the Siri one every now and then, and mm-hmm. I think it's it's getting pretty good now with third party support. Um, I think I will check back every every month or so and see what what has changed. But so far, um, I think it might. Uh, be my alternative watch face to the infograph modular. It's interesting about the the Siri face because I found it's actually gotten worse. So during the beta periods, uh, it tended to know that I like to exercise first thing in the morning and I would pull up to the gym and I'd be able to start a workout from the Siri watch face, which is about the most useful proactive suggestion it was ever giving. But it was it was good enough for me to use it. Uh, I haven't seen that once since getting this watch and maybe it just needs some time to get used to my habits but i did change away a few days ago because it wasn't giving me that and it's like well there's no other third-party apps that really integrate well with this face um so i decided to go back to the the other one um i'd really like to see the siri face get smarter i mean i think carrot weather is the only third-party app carrot weather and maybe outcast i think i've seen once or twice there um are the only third-party apps that will display any data on there uh and it's probably not quite enough to be useful yeah, there there are a lot of weird da- data sources, data sources, um, in the watch face. Um, so for example, photos I thought was super weird. Um, Very, and it took me quite a while to find where to turn it off. I think I actually messaged you to ask, um, yeah. because I don't know who would want a random random picture out of their library showing up on their watch face. This is really weird. Like, I I just feel like it's a little bit of a privacy concern. <laughs> Like I think if you have a calendar event on your on your wrist, it's something that people would struggle reading from a distance. But having a random picture of something on your wrist could be, w- without you really deciding it to be like a watch face, it could be seen by other people, and it might not be something you want to share. But it's also it's not it's not like particularly great pictures. Uh, I I took some pictures for. I think a passport or something, and then just showed me looking really mean into the camera because uh, you're not allowed to smile. So I was like, well, that doesn't really... I don't really... <laughs> it also looks weird. Why would I have my own face on my watch? It just... I don't know. It, I I was quite happy to turn it off. And you can search for it. If you open a watch app on your phone and you search for Siri, you're not finding uh, this uh, Siri watch face da- data sources. You actually have to go in, go into settings from for the watch face and then turn off the data sources from there. Um yeah, so I, I turned a whole bunch of them off, and now I, I think it's pretty decent. So in the evening, it usually asks me if I want to take an outdoor walk, which we often do, so that's that's quite handy. Um, when when I'm out and about, sometimes seeing uh, uh, a ways of listening to podcasts or getting public transport uh, back home. So I think there are there are merits. Um, not a lo- not enough now, uh, not enough yet. To make me pick it in favor of infograph modular. It's interesting that you said that it's showing uh, workout stuff for you because that's well, that's what I'm struggling to get on there at the moment. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. It's good that that part's working. I should correct what I said earlier. Um, there is another app that actually has shown things on the Siri on the yeah on the Siri face, and that's Next there, so a public transport app. That's actually quite handy. It seems to be either taking your current location to show uh, like a relevant um, a relevant trip or just it could also be something that, um, you know, I'm doing often at that time of day. But often if I'm at work, it'll show me 
uh, like, you know, it's towards the end of the day, it'll show me bus times to get home or, or vice versa in the morning. So that is quite handy. It's not consistent yet, but um, maybe you just need to give it a few more weeks and it will become consistent. But that is actually quite a nice shortcut because that is something I do check on the watch quite frequently. A trick I've heard is to change your dog from being recents to favorites and then add all the apps you would want to show up in the serial watch phase. Add them to your favorites and then they should show up more consistently. It's a bit weird and probably not the best possible way of handling that, but that should improve. Okay, that's good um, to know. Give it a shot. Might be interesting to, to hear if that works for you. Yeah, we'll have to. Okay. Uh, I wrote this as a follow-up item, so I just want to express that I'm so excited about how much faster this is. Like Compared to a Series 2, this watch is crazily fast. Like I don't... I'm not getting annoyed on a regular basis about the time it takes to open an app. So that that's a huge improvement. And it's like, also, once once I actually open an app, I can easily just like increase. Uh, if I open a timer app, it's so quick to actually open something and to um, to to start a new timer. Um, and like, usually I was quite annoyed when I accidentally opened the app, like, uh, like I mentioned in the previous episode. And uh, like sometimes when I set a timer, I might want it to repeat, but I accidentally say, okay and then i dismiss the notification that the timer is up uh and now that's not a problem i I can just go back and open the timer again and it's quite easy to just start up start running a timer again uh so yeah i'm I'm really excited and i'm really enjoying the watch Uh, i think it was really a purchase i'm quite happy with i think uh also things like um Siri on the watch it feels like it's quite respondent i feel like i got more confident talking to my watch it feels like it it like the wait time for Siri to respond is shorter, so I feel less ridiculous holding my arm up and talking to it. Um, and the thing that we spoke about last last week with the uh, with the fact that you don't have to say the trigger word, you can just lift your wrist. I think that actually works quite well for me. I think you just have to be quite confident in that it will work. And once you pull pull your arm up and just start talking to your watch, it tends to work for me. Um, so I'm I'm quite happy about how how well it works. <laughs> for some reason that stopped working for me completely after telling you Zach yes, uh, yeah. last week that just do it this way now I'm doing it that way consistently pulling it up talking to it doesn't do anything same I've given up yeah I tried quite a few times to just have <laughs> faith in the system and just hold the watch up to my mouth and not worry about it and then it's like oh the lights are still on hey Siri yeah. <laughs> I, I think it works so well that's that's weird yeah. well well, I'm we're, happy. I'm happy. Yeah, we're, it's magic touch. I'm happy for you too. Um, <laughs> I've also been out and about without a uh, phone a few times now. Um, so much so that Should I should have think got I the go. cellular. Yep, that's where I was going. <laughs> I think next year I will probably go with the LTE one Woo-hoo! because I do see a lot of value in in that now. Because it, now it's fast enough that I can actually do things with it. So. Um, like just responding to test me- text messages using voice is surprisingly reliable. Um, so that's quite nice and navigation is nice. So there are a lot of those kind of things that I think would actually be quite nice and leaving my phone, uh, home often. Isn't that great? You, you buy a phone for a thousand dollars and then you're happy when you don't have to bring it. Yep. Eventually your watch will be faster than your phone. 
you still don't have you, you really please don't please don't start using like your watch for as a camera i think you like that's not gonna happen maybe apple puts maybe apple puts a camera in but please don't use it if they have a put a camera in because that would look ridiculous i think we still need phones or we just buy separate cameras but yeah, i think how about that yeah that, that's also a solution but i do think um that's one reason why i still think uh using uh yeah bringing my phone is is quite good maybe next year we'll be having these calls from our watches just like hey yeah, well, podcast time one minute battery life. <laughs> uh, no, I still like the Mac. Do you also no longer have rubber band uh, taptic feedback? No, I definitely do. It's one of the nice things you still get after turning off the uh, other haptics. It's it's only when you use the crown, I think. So you only get that if you turn that off? Uh, I don't know if it's only when you use the crown. Which app do you have it in? Like, which app do you notice the haptic feedback in? Just use Calendar or something. All of them? Like, Messages, for example, we scroll to the top of, a, of the list there. Yeah, I don't have it when, I have, uh, when you have the Crown haptics on. Same. Actually, wait, now it's going in Messages. Wait. What? This is not right. <laughs> this is not what I... No! <laughs> Why did you bring it up, Kai? And you broke him. Where'd it go? <laughs> no, I swear. Remember I said last week that it was still working with the, the haptics off? I know. That's why I thought, oh, no, my, my new watch is broken too. And then I asked Marlin and she didn't have it either. Oh. Did they push up a software, so push out a software update without us realizing? <laughs> I mean, 5.0.1 was released, but... Oh, it's really subtle, but it's there. And it could be 501 that's changed it. So if I'm in the activity app, on that first tab, just scrolling, if I scroll to the top or the bottom, I do feel a slight nudge, but it's definitely not as prominent as it was last week. And that's a good point that it could be uh, 5.0.1. Do you only feel this first, this not notch when you go into it first time? Because I noticed that too. So if I change... If I'm in the main activity, then I change to the second page, then I change back to the first page, then mm-hmm. I scroll up, I feel it. Mm-hmm. But then if I can't stay in that screen and keep on scrolling up and down, I don't feel it. I seem to be getting it every time. It's really subtle. Okay, so something definitely yeah, changed Maybe you're right, it's just very subtle. Yeah, it's like really subtle. But it is still there. For some apps, seemingly not for all of them. Interesting, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, I don't think the calendar was there. It doesn't, the calendar doesn't have it. Are you sure you're not imagining that? I can't feel it at all on either. I don't feel it now, but I feel it sometimes. Maybe it's just really subtle. Yeah, that sounds more like you're imagining things. Nope, there's definitely something there. It feels like the crown is vibrating more than the watch itself. Oh yeah, you have you have the crown haptic off. Though, yes. Because for me, it feels almost like I scroll, I scroll, I feel haptic multiple times and then I get to the top and I feel a final like click a final haptic which could be interpreted as as a rubber band effect but if no. i stay on there if i stay on top of that screen and pull up mm-hmm. there's no rubber band effect it's just i think the it's thing the i feel is just a side effect of the scrolling and the haptic of the crown interesting yeah it's basically the last the last tick is a bit more prominent i i do have that too but it's not from over scrolling the list you no. only get it when you hit the end of the list yeah. 
Okay. I am pretty confident that changed in 501 because it was definitely s- stronger. Because you used to have it, at least in 4, um, in WatchOS 4, you used to have it as soon as, even if you were up on and overscrolled, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah. with the old watch, I definitely had that. I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure I still had it on the old watch with 5. I'm I'm pretty sure also I had just to me for me the behavior between five and five zero one has not changed. I was just about to say if they've changed things in five oh one, maybe I should try the haptic crown again and give that another shot. We'll see. Hmm. Sorry, but otherwise, battery life seems about the same to me. I don't know why Zach wrote so many question marks and exclamation points in the. Show notes about I was wondering your experience, but I... <laughs> but you, you seem to have some strong opinions about this. How is your battery life, Zach? It's actually really good. Yeah. So I was yeah. concerned. Uh, I thought bigger screen, thinner case. Surely this is going to be worse. It's just a matter of how worse. But no, I think this is uh, on par. I it's It was really nice for a year with the Series 3 to not have to give battery life a second thought ever. Uh, there was one day it died on me and something odd was going on that day, but uh, that was a, a, an exception. Uh, every other day I had no concerns. I mean, it was, there were days where I was taking international flights and I didn't have to worry about, you know, trying to find a charger midway through the day. It was, it was great. And it was really nice to not have to worry about battery life on the watch. And I would thought maybe this year that's going to change, uh, but seemingly not. This thing is at least on par with the Series 3. I actually think during a workout it might be slightly better. I've been on a few runs and... Uh, sometimes running could really drain the battery on the Series 3 and it seems to hold up slightly... This is just all anecdotal, but it seems to hold up slightly better on the Series 4. So I'm really impressed and I was wondering if you two have had the same experience. Uh, yeah, we went for a... I don't know, was it four-hour in total hike the yeah. other day? And I tracked it as a workout for most of it and came home to, I think, still 60% battery life left in the end of the day. So um, even that's what I used to have with the older watches. Um, So if I had like something, a longer workout or tracking workouts for hours, that that would get me into the red in the end of the day. But with this one so far, at least for a hiking workout, uh, even after after, um, hours of tracking that, I I still had way more than one day of battery life left. Yeah, I would say I almost had better battery life. I was on the same hike and I was also tracking it as a workout and on top of that i had also used my f- my phone and my watch for uh, navigating so i was using um, apple maps a lot i think it i think i ended up having like 30 percent at the end of the day and that's quite good for the smaller watch so i'm i'm quite happy with it i don't see any problems with it of course like i think if you it wouldn't be enough to stretch over two days but i think overall like i i, I really don't mind charging it every night like i put my phone on charge and i also put my watch on charge it's not really a big deal so i think it's been working quite well awesome yeah cool it's good to know okay so just to quickly mention the list which we have neglected the last few weeks um we are going to readdress it uh next week in next week's episode um we think there are a few things that need changing uh we also i mean there are a few apps that have received updates for ios 12 and have gotten things like shortcuts and i think that's worth revisiting um so next week's episode we will get back to the list uh we'll get back to tidying it up and then the following week we will hopefully have some picks to uh, add to back to the list again and some things were acquired yep yeah 
Good news, we're rich. <laughs> Episode ends there. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs>